I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. Welcome to episode 37. We are heading south in the little west to chat with two emerging brand founders looking to make their mark on the game. The first is Matt Senna of Senna Maine, a company crafting heritage-inspired, high-end sporting goods for golfers who like a little luxe in the back. The second is Taylor Olson, the founder of Draw and Fade Modern, a female-founded brand on a mission to make everyone feel welcome on the course. Let's get started. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Hold on. I have my coffee. Taylor, do you, are you drinking coffee now as well? Yeah. I'm drinking hot water with uh, lemon. I My son got a cold, and then I got it, and I feel like I've had a cold for like two weeks now, and this yep. is the only, only thing that's helping. Wait, does it work? Or do you drink this daily or all day long? Or, or what's what's the... Uh... Normally, I just have like one cup of coffee in the morning that I keep reheating throughout the day. It's, it's my <laughs> husband's biggest pet peeve about me, I think. <laughs> I can actually finish the hot water with lemon. So I don't know. It might, might continue after the sickness. That's funny. Matt, do you have any kids? Uh, I got one. I got a five-year-old daughter. Yeah, my son is three. We should. Pr- I want to have a. I've been talking about this for a while, but I want to have an episode strictly dedicated. Maybe it's this one, kind of like people that love golf that have kids, and specifically what that experience is like. Because there's so many things. One, just being a parent, and two, I can completely relate to the coffee heating up thing. Like you make a cup, you're running around, it's ice cold. Like it's it's so true. And then yeah, the fact that you're always sick. Like kids are they're just little petri dishes. That's what they do. Oh yeah. Them getting you sick is the worst. I mean, they, you will be sick for, they'll be sick for three days. You'll be sick for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you can take sick days. Uh, I watch him full time and, and do DNF. So it's, it's a lot. So you can't, I can't just be like, Oh, (laughs) you need to take time off of work and watch him while I just lay in bed all day. But for sure, we're new to the game. He's only six months. So we went to he's in swim school and so that was mm-hmm. his like, first exposure to being around other kids in the in an enclosure oh, yeah. and so of course right after he got sick immediately so we are still dealing with that nice all right so not not quite yet with the golf clubs my son is kind of getting into it i got him a set he in a weird way prefers to use mine but it's way too long for him to hit i think it's just because they're metal uh and then he also <laughs> I was playing with him over the weekend. He does this like really weird side saddle putting thing where like he just puts it between his legs and throws the putter out. I'm like, hey, you're hitting the ball. That's cool. Knock knock yourself out. So enough kid rambling. I want to learn a little bit about each of you guys, um, what you've been up to, a little bit about your backgrounds. I always love to hear those stories of like how you got into the game. Um, We'll flip a coin to see who goes first. Do I have a coin? I have a button and that's not going to work. So maybe I'll just pick somebody. Taylor, do you want to go first? Um, tell us a little bit about you. You're in Austin, right? I am in Austin, Texas. Um, but I was born and raised in Southern California. And, and my dad actually was in Q school. Um, and the story, as he tells it, is he missed the cut by a stroke. Um, no one has actually ever validated that. So we just go off of what he says. Um, but, you know, the whole family, there's three kids. Um, everyone has had a golf club in their hand from the moment that they could stand, basically. 
think we're all pissed that we're not uh, at the Tiger Woods level. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had that trajectory for sure, but we none of us did. Um, it's it's actually a joke in my family how bad I am at putting, but everything else is pretty good. So I've played my entire life. Um, I think really 30, 30 years, honestly, I've been playing the game. So I've really seen firsthand the difficulties that women in particular face when it comes to golf. And so that was the reason behind starting Draw and Fade Modern is, is really helping make golf more approachable for anyone who wants to play, but women specifically. And so that's just how it started. And we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Nice. That's awesome. So how was, I'm curious, just the experience growing up with a dad, because your dad was playing like your entire childhood. He was just out there grinding. What was that experience like? It was great. I mean, I grew up on a golf course, which was an awesome way to grow up. Very, I mean, very privileged, very spoiled as I look back on it now and and have my own child and realizing to have a a club that you can grow up to and go to kids camp at was, was amazing experience and something that I hope I can provide to him. But and it, you know, it was really fun to be honest with you. Every weekend we, the whole family was together out on the golf course. You know, this was pre phones, but you know, my favorite thing that I say now is that the majority of times when you're playing on golf courses, your phone actually doesn't get internet connection. So you are forced to be with right. the people that you're playing with, which is part of what I love so much about the game. But I, you know, I loved being around it and it was really something that I could connect to with my dad, which was really special and really fun. And, you know, I, it's just been intertwined in my entire life and my whole family's life. My sister worked at the tour right out of college and still works for the champions tour now with Charles Schwab. And, you know, I actually went on uh, my first date with my husband was playing golf. So it is very much entwined in, in my life and I love that about it. Nice. That's amazing. Wait, did you beat him on, on the first date? I definitely did not. Um, <laughs> his story that he tells, which I don't remember it the same way, but I, I'll go with his story is, you know, we get there and we were in San Francisco at the time. So we were playing the Presidio, which mm-hmm. is notoriously very windy. And he texted me right beforehand and said, I hope you brought your wind iron. I was like, gosh, this guy's perfect. <laughs> That's a good one. We get up and he goes, all right, well, what, what tees do you want to play from? And I was like, oh, you know, where, wherever you want, I'm good. Um, if you want to play blue tees, that's totally fine. He's like, um, okay. I think thinking it's, this is going to be a long round. And I get up there and he's been on the driving range for like 30 minutes. And I just rolled up right after work. And according to him, I'd striped it right down the middle. I remember hitting it like dead right onto the next tee box uh, or onto the next hole rather. but. Um, apparently it went 30 yards past him and that kind of locked it in for him as well. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that story Too strong move. First, first date on the golf course. And you guys played a full 18. We played nine, oh, but I, nice. I, I recommend it as a first date. You really get to know someone, um, when you're playing golf yeah. with them. I agree. How they, they are throwing their clubs or getting pissed off or if they can actually handle it. So yeah, I highly recommend it. For sure. I also maybe want to have you guys back on the podcast as a couple because I've met it's and I want to see if Matt, maybe your your partner plays, but uh, couples that play golf and where both people are actually like at a pretty good level of like adequacy or like and then the, the competition is like, like serious. Um, there's a guy he works for the golfers journal named Casey Bannon and uh, his 
they're now married, uh, Isabel, uh, she, they both played like college golf. And I remember they had done some really funny posts where they would like play and like someone's pissed when they get home. Cause like, they're like legit trying to beat each other, which I think is fun. So anyways, Matt, tell us a little bit about what, what's going on with Senna. Um, well, I, the way I got into golf was definitely through my dad. Uh, growing up, my dad fitted clubs out of our garage and he played, um, he, he would always say he never went to church. He'd always say he prayed on the golf course. Um, so we had a garage, basically it's like almost a barn in our backyard that just was filled with clubs. Um, but I was a lefty and all of those clubs were righty. So I never really played. Um, there were, I mean, thousands of clubs in there. Probably he would fit clubs for himself, his friends, kind of people in, in our town, which is a small town in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was a baseball player and he didn't really want me playing golf and baseball at the same time. Cause he's like, you won't excel at either. You'll kind of just be mediocre at both. Probably um, the swings are a little bit different. It won't mend. So he always said, he's like, when you're done playing baseball, I'll make you a set of golf clubs. Um, I also worked at Baltusrol up in New Jersey a few summers in high school with seven of my friends. So we were, we were in the cart shack running carts and basically were told to uh, stay away from members. Uh, but we kind of ran amok up there for a few years and were around that culture, which for me was like just so amazing to see that, that style of life um, because we were from a blue collar town. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I graduated college, my dad made me a set of clubs, which were like these, it's this company called like CER, I think it was. It was like these $10 golf clubs, basically, like these cheap ones. And he's like, you play these, you learn how to play these, and then you get a better set when you earn it, right? So I couldn't afford to play for a long time, especially like as I had my first jobs and I moved out to California. And then I worked for a guy in advertising who happened to own a few courses in California, one by the name of Oak Quarry. And he was like, I want to go do some photos of the course. And I was like, great. Like, I love golf courses. I always watched it, but I didn't really play. I go to the range here and there. He's like, if you ever want to play, just call the pro shop and, and tell them you're coming out and you play for free. So I figured that's a pretty good time to start. Went out and played my first round. And I had an eagle, I think, on the third hole, third or fourth hole. Epic. I'm like, this game is easy, you know? Uh, and there, from then on, I don't think I had another eagle for about six years. Um, but it got me hooked, to say the least. And I've been playing it ever since, pretty much. Awesome. It's so funny how those, like, that first good shot, when it happens, like, something in your brain, I don't know what it is, like, oxytocin or whatever, like, whatever chemical in your brain that, like, hits in your, you're like, yes, this is it. It's it's amazing. Um one question that I had for each of you, um, I always love to hear just with creation of brands, which I think is really cool in golf. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have each of you on the pod is that there are there are a lot of interesting brands emerging in golf. But I think uh, when you look at what the traditional golf media landscape looks like, there aren't that many opportunities for, for you know, these smaller up and coming brands to t- tell their stories. And you guys are doing some interesting things. But specifically, one of my favorite questions is, uh, there's always like the first piece, like the first thing you ever made. And like, what was the story behind that? Um, Matt, do you want to go first? So obviously you make a wide range of stuff, 
and it's interesting to see how the brand has evolved over the time. But like, where, where did it all start for you? What was the, like, what was piece number one? So I started, I started making clothing and, and screen printing when I was 12 years old. So I always did things in the streetwear and sneaker industry. Um, a lot of skate brands, sneaker brands, things like that. I had a retail store in college that we did. Um, we resold sneakers, basically Jordans. It was kind of like before resale was big. So people would come into the store like, oh, those, those Jordan 11s are $450. I'm not paying that, but I'll buy a t-shirt from you. So I kind of like drew people in with the sneakers and had them buy my clothes. So I'm always making things. Um, and usually when I would get hooked on something, I'd somehow figure out how to make a brand around it. So mm-hmm. golf was that one of those things. And I looked at it from more of a strategic standpoint, I was like, what is nobody doing? This is almost 10 years ago. It was around 2012, 2011. And I didn't think there was really anybody making club head covers that were really good. You know, there were good clothing lines. And I was like, how can I get into somebody's bag without fighting against, you know, Titleist and Callaway and whoever, Travis Matthew at the time. And I was like, well, club head covers are kind of an open area that I think we can get creative with and then I looked uh you're gonna laugh at this but I was like what is nobody making that's like interesting that's really different and could kind of create controversy and I was like the first thing I made were iron covers really high-end iron covers (laughs) I love that and I did it entirely to create controversy I was like nobody's ever made like a super high-end leather club or a iron cover with like re-re zippers and like just kind of blinged out but without being obnoxious um so i made these iron covers i went to like i i had done some work in leather so i like went to my leather guy in los angeles and i was like look like i want to make this and we made two styles there's one with like a magnet that kind of wrapped around and there was one that had the zipper they're super high end and people the reaction to them is the funniest thing like now, now we still make them. Um, our business has moved far away from them kind of, but like in Asia, that's where we get the most orders for them. They're $550. Um, so it's like a real flex in your bag. Most of them have gold zippers, but the the package that they come in is like this beautiful package where they're all lined up in slots. When you open it, it's very mm-hmm. much based on like an iPhone case. When you open an iPhone box, mm-hmm. it just is very intense presentation um and i just did it kind of kind of to create conversation of like what happens like what's the problem with it number one but number two nobody's ever done one that like looks crazy so that i've I've had people like like cole right cole from metalwood he saw them and him and buscemi were talking he's like i don't think i rock these and then he's like wait let me look at me look these are actually kind of different like he's not about them but he was like these are so different that they could work right. john was like i could kind of see them especially for me i think the best way to use them is travel you know when you're traveling you can especially if you have like depending on your irons interesting elijah one from east said he has these like uh bronze irons that he's like they get dinged up so much he's like i want to keep them fresh so i want to get a, pair, a set of those um so that was kind of like the first product that I did and it was just to kind of mess with people. And I think it did a little bit. And then we make 
other club head covers and more traditional things and duffel bags, travel bags, all sorts of stuff like that. Nice. That's fun. I mean, look, I am not, I've never been an iron head cover and it's just one of those things in golf. It's like you either like, like them. It's like root beer. You either like, like it or you don't. Um, and, and I can understand, I'm forgetting the, the PGA tour player that, uh, he was in the news maybe like late last year about iron cover specifically. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, yes. Uh, Ray. Yeah. 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 But it was a cool, I mean, when he shared his perspective, he was like, look, like clubs are expensive and you know, when you actually get enough money, I mean, a couple grand, 1500 bucks, $2,000 for a nice set of blades or something like when you get to that point and you spent this much money and you want to keep them looking, looking nice. Cause yeah, they do get dinged up. Um, I, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, and also one of the things that I've noticed, again, I will never get iron, iron covers. I don't know why. Cause I actually like when my things get dinged up personally, but I have a smaller bag. I have a McKenzie. So it's like the smaller, like, I don't know, 10 inch diameter opening. So they're very like, and I have, and I carry a full set. I don't need it, but whatever. Um, but that clinging, like, yeah, they do go and you get those little like wear marks in interesting places. So I can understand some golfers not wanting that. It makes sense. Yeah. Especially in a bag like that, you know, they are clanging. Some people like that sound when you carry, right. And it's going clink, clink, clink. Um, right. People freaks them out and they're like, my clubs are being ruined. Um, it's, I used to use them when I played in LA, I'd play alone a lot. I didn't have many friends that were playing. And I'd go out to like Rancho and play and just be grouped up with people. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, every round that I would play with them, I was getting out where I got. Like the, that was the interesting part. Like actually on course, I was yeah, getting yeah. asked where I got them and how I, how I could buy them, especially like I said, with the Asian community who really likes to flex with their bags and like want yes. their bags to look better than anybody's. They have Hanmas and like all these expensive things. Like this is something that nobody had um but that's not the bread and butter of our company obviously it was just something that totally. I, started. I was like let me see how i can kind of mix things up and and mess with people a little bit and, and create a conversation around something that has such a stigma to it and it's like why do you care if i have iron covers on if i go out there and beat you or if i stink who cares it's what i wear right. in my clubs it's my bag right <laughs> and that's the cool totally. thing about golf is people express themselves through their bag and like yeah. how they dress and all that so it's like i just wanted to be like stop worrying about what other people are doing if somebody wants club head covers iron covers saying, yeah. that's, it's up to them i hear that i agree taylor tell us about the first drawn face mo drawn fade modern piece the first piece we made we made a collection of sweaters and um, because in women's golf clothes there's not a ton of knitwear actually that i feel like is made for playing so it was really important to me to come out with something that is super functional and it's it's at the forefront of all the designs that we have for clothing is functionality but my husband and I are really into the Ralph Lauren bear sweaters and so at the time I really wanted to put my own spin on a bear sweater and my dog Fitzgerald who's a Britney Spaniel anytime my husband and I would leave to go play golf he would take one of our golf shoes and just run around the entire house. I was like, that's a perfect image for what I want to be my bear sweater, quote unquote. So we put him on a, um, on a sweater and people loved it because people love dogs. Nice. 
yeah, that was our first, uh, that was our first real collection. That's fantastic. It's the green sweater, right? Yeah. It's got, yeah, that one's amazing. Do you play with Fitz at all? Do you take him to the course? No, gosh, he would be terrible. He, he loves balls. He, like he lives his life around balls. So I think he would just be all over the place chasing everyone's golf ball and he would, he would tear it up for sure. <laughs> it's so funny. Like the whole golfing with your dogs thing is for me, conceptually very interesting, but then I would like my dog, that's not good for him. Like he's small. There's a lot of things, noise. He's going to, he's not going to listen to me. He sees, he sees a bird and it's going to run off. But there are people that have really well-behaved dogs. They can like, put them down. Like in my head, like being able to put your dog down and hit a golf ball, which is a loud sound, and your dog doesn't run off and freak out. It's like, oh wow, you train your dog well. So I will not be taking my my miniature pincher out on the golf course. But some people can do it. I am very jealous of those people because I think the For golf sure. course is actually a great place to bring a bring a dog. Yeah, it totally is. Now, do you guys, when you play golf, are you casual? Do, do either of you play competitively or no? I'm fairly casual. The last tournament I played in, I actually played in a, um, a father-child uh, tournament with my dad at his course. And my dad just absolutely sucked. <laughs> when it came, I don't know what it was. He got really locked up or something. But yeah, we we were in dead last. And our family motto is play bad fast. And I think we played the first nine holes in three and a half hours. So that was really hard for us. Yeah, that's that's hard. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but he just was not good. But um, I was just invited to play in a pro-am in... Um, in December and I haven't played golf since I've had my son. So I, now I'm like, okay, I actually need to go out and play and figure out how to hit the ball again. And so that'll be my first competition back. I think. Nice. Matt, what about you? That's a tough answer. I am an extremely competitive person. Um, golf is one of those things that like, for me, the reason why I connected with it was because it allowed me to get my competitive like nature back after stopping playing uh, baseball and other sports. So I do get competitive out there, but mostly with mm -hmm. myself, I've played in just like men's leagues and things like that, which I absolutely like, I love doing that. Um, out here in Florida, I haven't really found those other than like men's games, things like that. And like I do, did member guest with my, my dad, which is really fun. Um, I actually had my first hole in one with my dad during a member guest with him as my partner, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. So yeah, competitive. I would say that I am competitive. You know, I keep all my scores. I count all my shots generally, unless I'm doing playing around and I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to mess around today. But that's rare because I don't get out that often. Mm -hmm. So the competitive nature to it is like good to me. Um, I feel like it, it gets something out of me. Um, I'm not one to generally just like go slap the ball around for a few hours and not care, I'll say. Um, right. So I would say I'm competitive to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can play with anybody though. That's one thing that like, even my wife will tell you, um, you know, I've gone out and played with people that have never played before and like, I don't hold anything to them. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, try and rush them or make them feel uncomfortable or anything like that. Like that's the worst thing to me is when 
people are like that. Um, but like within myself, I'm super competitive with, with myself also. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think about that a lot too, especially when I play with my spouse, like, um, you know, with what tee boxes do we play? Like all that fun stuff. Like for me, it doesn't really, there are ways within golf, which is one of the things that people, uh, I think forget sometimes is that there are ways to be one competitive and fun, but then like, just depending on like the diversity in your group, if that's gender or skill level, like using the course, uh, maximizing what you can use on the course versus feeling like you're, you're stuck in a box is one of the things that I always find interesting. Like, for example, like, Oh, do we have to play the forward tees or the back tees? Like things like that. I would much rather me personally, and I'm sure you guys have perspectives on this as well. I would much rather pay, play the forward tees with my wife and hit an iron off the tee, which I need to practice anyways. Um, versus trying to force myself and playing the backs and she's playing the fronts. But it's one of those things, because even with fair game, like we we are very conscious with this as we've been building out the app and putting in tee boxes and, you know, all that fun stuff. And it's one of the things that you don't really think about that is very important because you want to make it fair, but then also make it fun and not make people feel like they're alienated. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's one of the reasons I love the game too is because I can go out there. My dad's 75 and go out there and compete with him or my wife. She's hasn't been playing that long and we can go out and she can play from the forward tees. I can play from the back or I can go play with my dad. He plays from somewhere. I play somewhere. But then like last week I played with the husband and a wife and I played up with him and she played the furthest because she's new to the game as well, but it allows us to compete and we are at totally different skill levels. Um, and it just makes it fun, whether you're you're competing like for money or anything like that, or just having a, you know, just keeping score. Like they they were keeping score and like going back and forth, and I was kind of just playing on my own. Um, but it's so it's great that you can kind of adjust those tee boxes, and you know, with handicaps, obviously, you know, you can really play with anybody and yeah, make it fun out there, or you can just go out like and just say, hey, let's play eighteen and keep score how we want or if we want or like my wife will go out with me sometimes and then she might stop keeping score after six and then other times she's like i'm keeping every single time <laughs> you know and, and whatever it ends up being like my mom my mom shoots 130 sometimes and she's like i kept every score she puts it in her handicap and like she's been doing it for the last i don't know seven years right and like it's great shot everywhere from like a 90 to a 130 and it kind of allows her to compete with the other ladies in her women's group and all that. There's no other game like that, right? You can't do that in basketball. You can't go out and play against Shaq and somehow even it up, right? <laughs> That's actually true, for sure. It's actually yeah. one, of the, one of the core part of our business, actually. And like one of the reasons that I founded Drawn Fade is um, a lot of courses actually still have signage whether it's on on the course or online that dictates which tees are women's tees or men's tees and so it's it's really one of the core missions of uh, of ours to eliminate that signage because it's, it's our feeling that in order to feel truly welcome on a golf course a woman shouldn't be told or a man shouldn't be told what tee boxes you need to play from exactly what you guys are saying it should be based on ability or what you want to do for that day or what, how you want to play for that day. Mm -hmm. And then also um, when you go to post your score, 
uh, on the Gen app, a lot of courses don't allow females to post from anything back than the two most forward T boxes. So just because I'm a woman, I can't post um, the majority of time from anything further back than the white tees predominantly. And so it's it's just another one of those kind of sense of belonging issues that I think golf yeah. has for women mm-hmm. specifically that a lot of people just aren't aware of. Um, and so it's 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 our mindset that instead of being kind of told where to play or being put in a certain box that the whole clubhouse, the whole golf course should be available to women. And so that's actually one of the things that we are um, hoping to change within golf. It's really difficult because it's actually on a course by course basis. So um, really early on, I was working with the USGA to try and figure out why the gym handicap or why the gym app um, doesn't allow it. And it's really up to each individual course um, and what they allow. So it's now a interesting. Yeah, it's now me basically cold calling golf courses and saying, hey, you need to make it available. You know, you have every tee box available for men to post their scores from, but not women. So trying to make that an even playing field. And, you know, if a woman never plays the black tees, then so be it. But at least they feel like they belong there and, and they are welcome to be there. Interesting. So are you saying like there are some courses, I didn't know this, by the way, there are some courses where a guy could play any tee box, like I could play the four tees and post a score, but then a woman can't do the same. Yeah, exactly. Huh. That's crazy. That is, that is pretty crazy. And it sounds like, so basically you guys, I mean, because I've seen some things in the news about this recently, um, but it sounds like it's, it's a course by course calling and it's almost like a, they're just not a not a labeling solution but like just change the t-box to play it like it's not it sounds like a very simple solution for a very larger problem exactly and yeah i mean like i said you might never have a woman play the back tees but it's all just kind of perception and and that sense of belonging really issue that i think that women face in golf and so if you just have you know if you don't have signage if you don't if you open up every um, tea box to women, then they'll feel much more inclined to go out there and play. And, and, you know, hopefully down the line, you'll see more women on the golf course because it does feel like they do actually belong there and people want them to be there. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I'm not playing the tips. I have no business being back there. I, I, it's just funny because also calling, we'll say calling the forward tees, the reds or whatever they are, the women's tees also deters a lot of men from playing it that should be because there are a lot of men that are not that should be playing from those teams <laughs> yeah. they're just not good right and they don't hit the ball far whether they're old or whatever or they just have a terrible swing um and that's okay but when you call it the women's tees a lot of them are like well no, i don't want to play from the women's tees because i'm not a woman yeah. but right. they should be playing from up there and i've played with plenty of women that will whoop me from my own tees right so yeah there is an issue there for sure. I didn't know you can't post. That's wild to me. That that just doesn't make any sense. It's it it doesn't. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. But there's there needs to be something that even makes that more even too. Because there are a lot of men that shouldn't be playing as far back as they are, just because they think that they can. Half of them don't hit the ball far, and they're just like, oh, I'm going to play the tips. And it's like, dude, you shouldn't be playing the tips. Number one, you can't hit right. the ball far enough. Number two you're not good enough, but you're doing it because you're trying to be macho or whatever. 
I play right. worse. Like at my club, I play three up a lot of times, which is like called the club. And then they have, they have like something else and then they have champion, which is like outrageously far. Right. Um, like the par threes are like 240 and 275 from there. It's, it's silly. So I play three up a lot of times and I shoot worse from there than I do the second back or the, the one that's second from the back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean the course is going to be easier by any means. Totally. I think that's a, another like factor that people don't see. They just say, oh, it's farther. Mm-hmm. But for, for a lot of people, it's just a different place. So that, I like to move up and down because it makes the experience of a course, especially if there's a course you play all the time, mm-hmm. you're hitting totally different shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total stigma. The, the ladies tees and the men's yeah. tees. Um, yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's something that we're trying to eliminate by, by getting rid of that signage and by opening up every tee box to women to post from. Um, it's definitely an old mindset, I think that has been set in place with golf for a long time. So hopefully this kind of new generation of, um, inclusiveness in golf will hopefully pave the way for that, but it's, it's definitely an uphill battle that, that we serve on a day-to-day basis, but for sure. you know, it's really interesting talking. Um, we work a lot with Christine Frazier, who's a golf architect um, out of Canada, and just talking to her about how golf courses are intended to be played, and you know, really just talking to her, it's it's not tee boxes or aren't designed based around gender. So the forwardmost tee boxes aren't designed with women in their really in their mind. Um, it's just purely based on what's going to, how far do you have to hit it to get to your next shot? If it's a far four, are you going to hit it 150 yards and then have a 150 yard shot in? And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, really looking at the ability that you have as a player and based and choosing the tees that best suit your ability or, you know, what you're saying, if you want to challenge yourself and only hit irons for the day, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting way to look at the game, I think with fresh eyes and, um, hopefully eliminate that stigma for sure and it's one of those things is i mean hearing you guys talk about it is that it does have add another layer of just interest and fun even if you play the same course like i've seen um i know the guys that did uh what's it called the course in tennessee i'm blanking on the names right now uh sweden's cove um they have some holes where you kind of you can play them you can play from different tee boxes and mix it up and you know let's tee off from here and tee off from there just to keep the course because it's only nine holes um, just to keep things interesting. But this idea of you could play the exact same course every week. Like I'm thinking about my my home course in Marine Park, Marine Park in Brooklyn, where I play all the time. And, you know, I know certain holes like, all right, hole 15, you pull out the three wood, like you don't have to. And if you're playing another box, it actually changes your strategy. It has nothing to do with necessarily skill, but like it, ch- it completely changes your strategy about how you play the hole versus like, oh, is it going to be, a three wood off the tee or do I hit a four iron or do I lay up to here or do I hit a softer, like little things like that, which makes your daily everyday course, a completely new course, which I think is really cool. Our, my home course here. I just, I joined a few months ago, but somebody had said that at times they have 10 tee boxes or 10, yeah, 10 tee boxes to play from, which obviously, wow. you know, for me, if I go too far up, it brings different things into play. I can run out into water if there's wind, just yep. so many different options of how to play it and it doesn't pertain to sex at all right it just pertains to how you're going to play the game that day um that was one thing like inclusivity was something for us when we designed the store that was super important we had taken 
uh, one of my wife's friends. So my wife's from Colombia. She didn't grow up around golf. Um, and mm-hmm. she picked it up really when, when she was pregnant with my daughter, um, which is five years ago, we went out to, uh, we were going to Coachella and my wife said to me, she goes, I don't want to go to Coachella. I want to go golf. And I'm like, you want to go golf? Like she didn't golf. So I was like, what do you mean you want to go golf? He's like, I just, let's go golf today rather than go to the concert. And I was like, let's do it. Cause I'm not Sick. a huge concert goer. So we went and played and she played, you know, maybe six holes or something. And then she's like, I just want to ride the rest of the time. So I played the rest and she loved it. She was like being outside for that whole time. Like it was quiet. It was hot, but like, it wasn't crazy. And she was like, that was so great. Like I could see doing that for a long time. And she kind of like got into it after that a bit. And she plays here and there, but we took, when we were designing the store, we took our friend out who was uh, one of her best friends who was a soccer player. So she was a really good athlete and she had never played before. And at our club down in Fort Lauderdale, they had a par three course. Um, it's Robert Trent Jones course. So like his son designed mm-hmm. it, Reese Jones, amazing par three. We took her friend out. She had never touched clubs before. and we played and she's like, you know, she got frustrated throughout it, but I was like, Hey, just like, take it easy. Hit the, everybody's going to hit bad shots. You know, we got through it. And at mm-hmm. the end, she's like, she texts us the next day. She's like, I'm going to buy clubs. I just found someone offer up. I'm going to pick them up right now. And I'm like, that was like such a cool experience to see her really enjoy the game, even though she got frustrated, like just give her a good experience. So at the store, when we designed it, that was like a really important goal for us to create a space where anybody could come in, whether you're a pro or you're brand new to the game, whether you're male or female, and create a space where people felt comfortable mm-hmm. to learn the game and you could dial in your numbers. So we had technology in there that you know could get as technical as you want or as simple as you want. We had a lounge and a putting green that kind of extended outside of our simulator so people could hit four balls and go get a drink, right? Like, We wanted it to feel as inclusive as possible so people weren't intimidated because getting out there on the course when you've never done it before can be super intimidating, especially when there are people behind you. Mm -hmm. So inclusivity and creating different avenues and approaches for including everybody in the game is super important, uh, not only for us, but I think for the game's longevity overall. And Taylor, what you're doing, I know, We've spoken a little bit um, when we had the store and watching what you were doing and kind of your background and everything really, I felt strongly about kind of who you are and what you're doing. And I'm excited to see everything that, that you're, you're going to do in the future too. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's really just one of the biggest things. And one of the reasons I think you don't see a lot of women out on the course is, you know, as I, I mean, I've played 30 years and every time I go out on the course, I've still scared shitless, to be honest with you. I'm like, there's no one that looks like me out here. I, you know, maybe I'm paranoid, but it just feels like everyone's eyes are watching me when I'm on a driving range. And I feel like I have to hit every shot perfectly before, you know, I start rolling and people must, might start saying, gosh, I hope she's not in our group or I really hope right. she doesn't hold up pace of play. So it's kind of those thoughts that I think go through your head and, you know, it's solidified or, or confirmed rather you know, on social media. You know, I think women are just constantly dogged when it comes to golf, unfortunately, and it just makes it that much harder to, to really just want to go out there and, and play. Um, 
So, you know, that's what we're really trying to change. And one of the main things that we do is host events. And, and you know, a lot of people, I think, uh, limit it to women only. But, you know, it's really important for us to have men and women out on at courses or, or at events together so that women do feel comfortable being around men because the majority of time you're not going to be there with, with only women. And so really just becoming comfortable being there and, and, and playing with, you know, men with, with your counterparts. Um, but also on the flip side, for men to be more comfortable with women being out there on the course and realizing, you know, hey, mm -hmm. as you're a woman doesn't mean you're going to hold up pace of play. Um, and, you know, chances are they, they might actually be better than me. Um, so it's it's really important for us to continue to do that and, and make sure that everyone feels comfortable being out there and playing together. For sure. Um, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Taylor, do you have, because I think that's a, you, you raise a very fair point that I have, I've always pondered about this and just specifically with, you know, smaller groups in golf that are new to the game and, you know, you walk up and you feel like, you said it perfectly. It's that that all eyes on you feeling where it's like, I feel like I have to justify being here for people. I have to validate for everyone else. Like I've, I deserve to be here so I can go play, which is like not fair. Um, are you able like where you live or just, you know, traveling, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you have like a crew of women or like players that you play with? And like, how do you guys stay connected? Like, I'm just curious, you know what I mean? Cause I, that's something that I struggle with a lot too. Like as a black golfer, like, it's hard to find people that look like me that have my perspective and background. And some of it is like online, Instagram, you meet a guy, you kind of stay connected, like little things like that. But it's like, it's been harder, at least for me in golf to find ways to find those groups and make sure people stay connected. I'm curious from your experience, I'm sure from the female perspective, it's gotta be daunting. Like how do you find other women and how do you also keep these other women connected to each other? Yeah, I mean, the Austin community actually is really thriving for women golfers. Um, there's actually a group chat, of, I think, around 100 female golfers. Cool. Really, everyone is just on there kind of on a daily basis being like, oh, does anyone want to go play today or this weekend or whatever? So that's really great. And then you have organizations like For the Ladies, um, Abby Liebenthal, who's, who works with the USGA, you know, she founded For the Ladies. Um, and they do a really good job of hosting events around the U.S., but then they also have a Google Sheets document that is um, a wide list of players who just want to play. So you can go on there if you're traveling to a different location, um, and you can honestly reach out to any one of them, and you'll probably get a response and, and really just have a group there. So I do think they're there are opportunities for women to play together. Um, it's it's really just taking that first step and showing up and kind of taking that leap of faith is the hardest part. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's one of the reasons that we really pushed to create this female golf icon that we put on our on a sweatshirt, really. Um, and it's just kind of creating representation and just showing females in a golf space. You know, when you think of golf iconography. You know, you never, a, a woman never comes to mind. I mean, when I think of golf icons, you know, I go to um, Pinehurst and, and think of the, the little boy carrying the bag um, and the caddy boy at, um, gosh, what is it? Uh, Beth Page. Beth Page, yeah. And, you know, there's never a female that comes to mind. So, you know, really it's, it's so small, but just trying to do more things to get women kind of in that space of golf. And um, so it just becomes more commonplace and hopefully just makes them feel more comfortable to, to get out there and take that first step. For sure. I agree. 
Matt, by the way, so the clubhouse is still around or no? No, the clubhouse in Fort Lauderdale, we closed. Uh, we ended up moving. Uh, we live over in St. Petersburg, which is opposite side of Florida now. Um, we closed it. We're going to be taking kind of different approach to retail, possibly opening another one at some point, but we're mm-hmm. going to be doing more mobile stuff. Um, we have a pretty nice. cool mobile truck that we've built out. And interesting doing pop-ups, things like that. Um, I come from an experiential marketing background. So just trying to think of different ways. Uh, the clubhouse in Fort Lauderdale was great. Um, it was very, very time consuming to say the least. And I don't want to limit the brand to just being South Florida. Right. Um, so we are thinking about how, how can we approach our retail experience from different avenues? Um, also getting outside of the United States, dealing in Asia and things like that. So nice. the brand will continue to evolve um, and the, the experience will as well. Um, looking kind of to work with different partners and things like that. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, can you tell us more about this mobile mobile idea? Because I remember I saw over the summer, you guys were in that really cool pop-up, um, the Hype Golf pop-up here in New York which was a really cool experience. And you raise a fair point when you think about the traditional golf. I mean, even, you know, drawn fade modern, you're doing this too, where, cause you guys are just DTC, right? You know, you just buy it, you know, just buy it directly from the, from you guys and it ships to your house. But this idea of, you don't have to get things from the traditional golf shop or pro shop anymore. You can just get it in a more modern, more, more fluid f- format. So I'm, I'm excited to see more and more of that in golf, but are you, are you going to be driving an Airstream around? Yes. Just tell us Matt. Yes or no. Not an airstream. <laughs> yeah, we have a very unique vehicle that I've uh, we've we've been building over the last uh, I don't know year year and a half. Uh, it's I think it's the only one in the country. Nice. It's, uh, we have a Defender. Of, it's a Defender six by six. So it's Landlord Defender. It's a six by six. It's it was created for the Australian military. It's got a big cab on the back, and we've rebuilt it. Um, and customized it so that we can do all sorts of things out of it from customization of your club head covers to, you know, building clubs, stamping, all sorts mm-hmm. of things. So we're putting together, a, uh, I'm just calling it a tour. So I call it the tour truck. Um, we're just putting together a tour for it. Uh, hopefully we can do a few events kind of throughout the country and have a team run that. Um, so that people can kind of experience the brand, but also just get kind of a, a new experience within golf uh, as they as they see the truck. And then there are a few things that you know I have I've designed that are all based on the truck that you'll only be able to get if you see the truck. So like awesome. their hats and whatnot. That's all like based on the Defender uh, logo and whatnot. So just kind of creating a a different experience for our consumers to kind of interact with the brand and the things that that we like really yeah that's awesome taylor who by the way designed the the logo it's really cool the dog logo or the the woman carrying the bag oh uh, max Matado did from young dirty so it's super important to me that we are working with collaborators in the golf space that are kind of like-minded and so I, i really do try and seek out people that have the same kind of inclusivity idea as we do and yeah. max is definitely one of those people so yeah he he designed the golf the golf girl and then he's actually working on a new collection for us um 
we're kind of reimagining golf icons. Um, so think tiger, any tiger pose, the Phil Mickelson jumping up and down. Um, yeah, recreating those kind of key golf icon moments, but putting a woman in its place. And um, so I think it'll be really cool. Nice. Yeah. He, I mean, he crushed it. It's so good. Like I would, I would a hundred percent hit that. Cause like, what was the name of the woman, the, the female golfer, uh, Kathy, Kathy Whitworth that just passed, um, earlier this year or, or late last year, like the most winningest golfer of all time. A lot of people may not know this more wins like in total is a woman more than Sam Snead, more than Tiger Woods. It's, it's a woman. So, you know, it's, it's time. It's time for them. And yeah, and she's actually really funny. We did a post um, where she was getting, like, I guess, inducted to the Hall of Fame. And she told a really funny joke. It's great. It's about, like, hairspray. But, like, she seemed like one of the, like, the nicest, most, like, endearing, like, I don't take myself too seriously, like, fun people. And, like, a badass golfer, which I think was awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, oh, Taylor, really quickly. So you gave us a little bit of a sneak peek. So you guys are working on some iconic poses. Is there anything else that people can keep an eye out for over the next few months from, from John Faith? Yeah, we, I mean, we have more sweaters coming out and we're going to have um, more bottoms coming out. I'm a big, um, I'm a big pants wearer myself. So we're going to be coming out with a lot of cool golf pants in the future and, and shorts and try and change it up from the typical skirt and uh, dresses. So really switching it up there and I'm super excited for that. Nice. Good stuff. I want to say that, uh, when was it last week? There's a lot of talk about a co-ed event, which I think got approved. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. In, in December. Is that going down for sure? Yeah. All this talk about tea boxes and stuff. It makes me think about, first of all, I think that format would be very, very amazing because I want to see the Nellies and the Danielle Kangs play. Like that would be sick because they're, they're so good and people don't realize like, you know, like Minji is like insane. Her game is so tight. Um, but just, yeah, I'm curious to see how they're going to structure it from a, what boxes are people playing? How's the format? Because it's a combination of how much moving around is too much moving around. It's like when you're playing with a group of people and like one guy wants to play the backs and like someone else, it's like, it's kind of inefficient. So it'll be very interesting to see, but I'm excited to see it. Cause I think it'll be really cool to just like actually have this mix mixed approach uh there there have been at least to my knowledge some very smaller smaller events like especially in europe where you'd see you know women are playing like here and there but it's never been on this like larger scale so i do think seeing more and more of this in golf is i think people are going to be like oh like men and women to play together and it's cool you kind of get that at the hsbc yeah but yeah i mean my husband and i always joke like it'd be really cool if you when you're watching the olympics if you just had like a normal person participating as well to see like <laughs> how much better these athletes actually are at these events so yeah i mean it's going to be really interesting to see like how everyone holds up against each other and you know kind of i think put the um put the nail in the coffin about once and for all like who's better yeah like yeah it's good as good shots are good shots it doesn't matter what box you're from or your gender like on the green and reg is on the green and reg I watch quite a bit of golf and my daughter at this point, when I go to turn the TV on, she always goes, dad, dad, you're going to watch golf. And I'll go, yeah. And she goes, oh, and then the other day she saw the girls on because the girls came on after the, the guys ended. And she goes, wait, dad, dad, the girls. And I said, yeah. She goes, that's the girls club. 
And I go, yeah, that's the girls club. I said, you want to watch it? So let's watch it. So she, we watched it. And now every time she sees the girls on, she goes, that's the girls club. I want to watch the girls club. That's but she awesome. wants to watch the girls. And I told her the other day, I said, oh, there's going to be a competition where the girls and the boys play together. She was like pumped about it. I she love that. Like, oh, that's so cool. So she really likes, and she's only five, but she's like, she even gets that, right? Of like, hey, I relate to the girls club. Dada right. watches the boys club a lot, but like the girls club isn't on as much. And I like watching women's golf because they are so good. Like their iron play is outrageous. They're, they're just so consistent. I think super underrated or under, you know, served and talked about. Um, but like seeing her kind of get connected with it has been really cool to, you know. Representation. I mean, it's, that's really yeah. cool here. You know, it's just if you yeah. can see something, if you see someone that looks like you, you know, you're going to be more excited about it, more inclined to to want to do it. So that, that's really cool here. A hundred percent. She's like, you mean I can win a trophy playing golf? And I said, you're sure you sure can. She goes, I want to win a trophy playing golf. I said, well, you better practice, you know? There you go. <laughs> the father father daughter event just plan for it it's going down you guys you got to keep look she's going to keep growing and like she's going to outdrive you you got to keep the game tight <laughs> awesome guys well, thanks for being on the pod thanks for having thanks. me thanks for having us thanks for listening to this episode of the fair game podcast if you haven't already you can hit subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or whatever service you may be using We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.